So, hello, welcome. It is great to have you here. Uh, before I say anything else, I just want to take a moment to honour and acknowledge uh, it was what a, three and a bit months ago that I stood up here and I made the comment. I said there's a very strong chance that next Sunday we won't be meeting together. Uh, and we didn't. And we haven't for three and a half months. Um, and here we are, four months, 100 and whatever days it was. Too long, Michael, too long. <laughs> and here we are, we're back. Uh, and it's so amazing and it's so great to be able to be together. It's different from what it was, but it is what it is. A couple of services and uh, God's so good. But I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge everyone who put their hand to the plough um, to make online church a reality, whether that be a community group, whether that be actually running the live stream, whether that be the band who were working diligently, whether it be you know, kids presenters, there were so many people who did so much work and we can't actually name all of them, but what we can do is honour honor those people now. So I'd just like us to take a minute, put our hands together and thank them for what God has done. From kids to youth to band to production to community group, yeah, God is good, God is faithful and uh, we're blessed we're blessed to be back. We're blessed to be in the house of God. Hey, um, we are, we're going to take a couple of weeks, these school holidays, just to, just to be back and just to uh, have a look at a couple of different things from God's Word. Um, within the school holidays, we don't have a kids program right now. We do have needs as a church, obviously going to two services so we can abide by our COVID safe regulations means that um, there's, there is a bit more work to be done. We don't want to be one of those churches that guilts people and puts pressure on people and says, we need you to serve, rada, rada, rada. We're not going to be that church. What we are going to say is we would love to be able to have a kids ministry at a nine and an 11 o'clock. At the moment when we come back to, uh, from school holidays, we'll have kids ministry at nine because we just don't have the volunteers and we don't want to burn people out. Uh, but we'd love to see that. So if God stirs your heart and you say, yeah, I want to step up and I want to serve and it could be on any team, um, we would love to have you join the, the team and, and to volunteer and to be a part of that. Again, there's no pressure. Just pray. If the Lord stirs your heart and says, yeah, I want to be a part of something, then fantastic. Uh, if you want to be a part of kids, there's Lauren. She's just handing out some kids packs now. So there she is. Go and see Lauren and connect with her. Uh, otherwise, come and see some of the other people and we'll sign you up to be a part of what God is doing here at Hills. Is that good? Let me just say, this is a church where you can be yourself. If you're someone who uh, likes to be quiet and reserved and put your hands in your laps, go for it. If you're someone who likes to make some noise, welcome. I'm one of those people. We would love to have you just respond as the Lord leads. There's, you know, you just be you, you be you. And uh, I get excited. So if you feel like getting excited, getting excited is okay, all right? So we're going to get stuck into the Word. Joshua chapter 4 is where we are going reading from verse 1 through 7, and then we're going to jump over to 19 to 24. Good timing. And it goes exactly like this. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. 
And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle, everyone say middle, of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Verse 19. So on the 10th day of the first month, that is 40 years to the day of the Passover. 40 years to the day of the Passover. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. He did this, oh, when he dried, sorry, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. I'm going to preach this morning on the title, Don't Forget to Remember. Don't forget to remember. So you diligent note takers out there, you can get on that. Don't forget to remember. How many of you have a problem with your memory? Anyone? <laughs> if you're with me, uh, like me, you certainly, sometimes we do. I think we're really great at remembering the things that we should forget and we forget the things we should remember at times. I, I can't tell you how many times Joe's asked me to go to the shops and said, hey, Dave, can you go and get a, a packet of Tim Tams or something or something like that. And then I'm just like, yeah, no worries. And I'll go to the shops and then I, my eyes, what, oh, we need toilet paper because everyone needs toilet paper in this season. And, and I need this and I know the kids are going back to school. So I better get recess and I better get lunch short and I better get all these things. Before you know it, I've got a trolley full of groceries and I come back and I'm like, hey babe, you know, I'm like, like, I went to the shops and I got us organized for the week. So you're welcome. And she's like, oh, have you, you know, have you got the Tim Tams? And I'm like, see in 10 minutes <laughs> and off you have to go back to the shops to pick up the one thing you were supposed to get anyone else been there anyone with me fantastic we forget so easily we so often forget the things that, that we should remember and uh so for some of you um know this story but when I was first uh when we first had Bailey so Bailey's now nine so we're talking when he was first born, and some of you have got babies in this room, and you know what that season's like, when it's all crying and vomiting and not much sleep, and life's like, everything's a blur, Dan, amen. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, I was working at Concordia College, and I had a laptop, and I lost my laptop. And so I went to the Went to the IT department after plowing on for about three or four days, trying to find where this thing had gone, knowing it was pretty valuable and it's not something that a staff member should just lose randomly. And I was like, guys, I've lost it. I don't know what to do. I think I'm going to need a new one. Can you please give me a new one? And they just went, look, go and take the weekend, sort yourself out, <laughs> you know, take a breath, have a, a woman's look, not a man's look. Get right in there. You never know what you find. If you still haven't got it by Monday, then come back and let us know. 
And uh, I was a little bit despondent at the time. So when you're despondent, you tend to want to have a feed if you're a bloke. So I went to the fridge to get something to eat. And I went to the star fridge and I opened that star fridge. And lo and behold, there is an HP laptop sitting right on the top shelf next to a moldy sandwich. For some reason, I decided that the perfect place to store the laptop in that moment was on the fridge shelf. I don't know why, but that would be the very reason why I couldn't remember where I'd put it. Are you with me? Because who puts a laptop in a fridge? Nobody. There's no logical reason when I'm going, where's my laptop for me to rock up and go, do you know what? I'm going to check the fridge. Because that's where, like, that's where if I retrace my steps, oh yeah, the fridge, I would have put it in the fridge. There's no reason to check it, so I didn't check it and therefore it was lost. I'd forgotten to remember. I'd forgotten where I'd put it. And this, this is classic of human nature. If we don't write things down, if we don't develop like a concrete set thing that we can go back to, to find, to trigger and jolt our memory, things just get lost. Like if we're just leaving it up to old memory, we tend to just forget. And often it's the important stuff. It's often the things like the little blessings that God has given us. It's the little graces of God along the way. It's all the wonderful things that... Uh, that God has done, we tend to just allow that to go in and flow out the other side, but then we hold on and we remember the little offenses and we remember the, the pain and we remember the, the, the very things that God's calling us to forget and we forget the very things God's calling us to remember so often in life. And so what we need is we need a strategy or we need a system or a structure that we can go back to, like when your mum says, where did you last have it? You know? There's a reason she says that. Go back, find that concrete thing that you can hold on to and embrace and go, that's right, and allow that to trigger your memory. This becomes the very thing. Don't forget to remember. Don't forget the process. Don't forget the thing that's been put in place to trigger your memory, to remind you of the good things that God's done in your life. And I felt like God laid on my heart for today as we come gently out of COVID. Don't forget to remember the stuff that God has taught you. Don't forget to remember the good things that God has done. Don't forget that God is faithful, that God is true. Don't allow the season that we've been through just to pass with nothing gained. Don't allow that to happen. No, 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 no. Don't forget to remember where is God in the midst of this? What has God taught us? What is God causing us to hold on to? What's God remind us? I know for me, He's reminded me so much of that power of corporate worship. Like there's been so many sermons preached. There's been so many Zoom meetings that have been had. There's been so many community group things that have been going on online. But the one thing that's been missing in the church is to stand as a big group and lift up the name of Jesus and say, you are worthy, you are holy, you are wonderful. And it's so easy to forget that. It's so easy to forget the power of corporate worship until we are in it, until we're reminded of these things. Don't forget to remember. And so we come to Joshua chapter four because God understands, friends, that human beings by nature are forgetful critters. By nature, we forget the stuff that God has done in our life. All through scripture, I'll throw some at you. He's reminding us, he's imploring us, he's exhorting us, don't forget. Psalm 103, forget not the Lord and all his benefits. Proverbs 3, remember the Lord in everything you do. First Chronicles 16, remember his covenant love. Psalm 78, do not forget the works of God. 
Proverbs 4, do not forget or turn from the words of my mouth. Colin Buchanan, remember the Lord. Remember that. Hey, is it anyone with me? Parents in the house? No, okay. And there's this beautiful one in Deuteronomy chapter 8, where just before we get to this point where Israel are about to cross from the wilderness into the promised land, and God just delivers this word to his people. And in Deuteronomy 8, you can read it. I'm not going to have time to read it now, but God just unpacks and he basically says, hey, don't forget. Because what's going to happen is, is you're going to cross the Jordan and you're going to go into my promise. And when you are in my promise, you're going to experience blessing and you're going to experience the land flowing with milk and honey. And the danger of that is, is coming out of the wilderness into that place of comfort and blessing is you're going to sit there and a day will come when you'll forget the Lord your God and you will say, look what my hands have built. And you'll take the glory for yourself instead of giving God the glory for what He has done and what He's brought us through. And how prophetic is that for this generation? How prophetic is that of the Western culture in which we live, where we sit and we have forgotten the Lord our God and all of His benefits? And the church is called to be a beacon of light. We're going to look at this in a second. That is the place, is the pillar, is the concrete thing that the world looks at and remembers what God has done. Don't forget to remember. So Israel in this context, here we are. Israel have been in Egypt. They've been delivered through the Red Sea. They've been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years because of their unfaithfulness, because they came to Jericho and they decided that the people of this land were too big to conquer, even after they'd just seen God part the Red Sea and destroy the nation of Egypt, the greatest power on earth. And yet they come and they go, oh no, we can't take those guys. And so they wander for 40 years and here we are 40 years later to the day of Passover and God says, it's time. It's time to cross over. But don't just walk over. When I split those seas, those, that river waters, when I split those waters I want you to take 12, everyone say 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. I want you to pick up 12 big stones and I want you to walk them out of the water and I want you to lay them down at the place where you camp as a memorial to me. Why? So that you will remember. So that you will not forget. And these stones, they're not just any stones. No, these stones are coming from the very middle of the place that was your barrier, from the very thing that had cut you off from the promise of God. You see, the water in Jewish culture, when you look at this, water is often used all through the Psalms, all through Scripture as, as actually a symbol of being overcome, a symbol of death, a symbol of something that Human beings can't overcome in and of themselves. Only God can split the seas. That's why Jesus' comment to the waters and the winds to be still is so powerful because it's a revelation of His glory and His grandeur. Only God has the power to split the seas. All through the Psalms, we see you know, the, the, the Psalmist crying out saying, God, the waters were consuming me. The waters overwhelmed me, but you delivered me. So there's this really powerful statement to say, I'm going to take the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, not from the edge where it's safe. No, from the very waters that should overwhelm me, 
God made a way and here is the evidence. There's 12 stones and you're taking those stones and you're setting them up as a memorial unto the Lord. 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel. Do you understand what what is going on here? God's saying the 12 stones, each stone represents a tribe. Each stone represents the people. He's saying the evidence is not just the stones. I want you to understand that the stones represent you. You are my memorial. I have delivered you. Look at the stones. Let that be the pillar. But then come to this place of God delivered us through the Jordan. God delivered us through the impossible. God made a way where there was no way for us because His favour is on us. And his hand is with us. So set up the stones. And he reminds them that when generations from now go past, and when there's an entire group of people who never walked through two walls of water, an entire group of people who never saw the sun stand still as Joshua led the troops in battle. There's an entire generation who never saw the northern kings defeated. There's an entire generation who'd never seen these things of God. They're just sitting in this land flowing with milk and honey, This sitting in a land of prosperity. And a day will come when they will have forgotten. And he says, so establish this so that you can look upon the stones and they say, what's this pile all about? Why are these stones gathered on top of each other? That's weird. Who put them there? And then the people would say, ah, don't forget to remember. The Lord did this. Are you with me? The Lord did this. And he reminds, he says, I want you to remind them of three things. Here's the three things. Starting with verse 19, we see three things. The first is God's providence. You see, God's providence, the biblical definition of God's providence means his hand intervening in the the affairs of human history, where God physically steps in and he actually, he engages and intervenes in the natural order and flow of things. This is what the biblical definition of God's providence is. And so from verse, if we go to verse 21, it says to the Israelites, uh, in the future when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. They're like, dry ground? What do you mean? You mean they swam across? I mean, it was low tide or it was a dry year. No, no, it was flood season. We're talking a river that's 50 metres wide. We're talking a river that's flowing at a rapid rate of knots that in 1894, a swimmer tried to swim across in flood season on the Jordan and couldn't make it. It had to be rescued. That's how strong the current of the Jordan River in flood season is. And he's saying, no, you crossed on dry ground on dry ground, that God parted the waters, God intervened, that God's hand is upon you, that God's eye is on you, that God actually knows who you are, knows what you're going through, knows the need that you have in your life right now. He hears your prayer, he understands your situation and he is not absent. Even though at times he may seem silent, that does not mean he is not present. And it does not mean that he is not with you and it doesn't mean that his his hand is not in your situation. He loves you and he's with you and he's for you. And so he, in this moment, it's saying, no, God intervened in our situation. So years from now, when you're going through something, you can look back and you know, God, God is providential in our circumstance. God does intervene in our lives. And then he says, I want you to highlight my power. 
verse 23, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did this. The Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you. The Lord did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until he had crossed over. Israel knew the story of the Red Sea, yeah? This is the sign of the greatest act of deliverance ever. The greatest power in all of the world, Pharaoh and Egypt, who had enslaved Israel for 400 years. That's a long time. Sometimes we get a little bit narky with God when we don't get an answer for four minutes. Amen? 400 years of silence. And then God delivers a nation, his people displaying his might and power and glory. He allowed Egypt to become so vast and so magnificent for the set purpose that a day would come when the whole world would know that there is a God in Israel, that the whole world would know his power to deliver. His power, he's saying, remind them of my power. And the last one, remind them of my purpose. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is what? Powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord. Now let me segue for a second and address this word fear. Because here's what happens in the church today. As soon as someone says fear the Lord, people go, oh, well, Perfect love drives out all fear, Dave. Don't go talking about fear. Let's, let's just use that word awe. And that's comfortable for us because what we, like the example I used this morning at the nine o'clock service, we have this idea that you ever, you ever watched a massive thunderstorm just come rolling in with the lightning crashing and the rain pouring, the wind howling, and you're sitting in the comfort of your living room looking out the window and you're going, man, that's amazing. Anyone done that before? You've got to be interactive with me this morning, friends. I know it's been a while since you've been in church, but you know that you have to talk to me. There's a very big difference, though, a very big emotion that comes with that place because that's still amazing. Like, you can still see that and go, wow, that's amazing. Have you ever been in that situation where you've been on a boat on the ocean as the storm comes rolling in? Because that's a very different sense of awe and wonder and reverence. Because in that moment, you realize I am completely at the mercy of what is travailing all around me. And unless the Lord delivers me, unless something happens, unless this stops, I will be consumed. And this is what it paints the picture, this word fear here. This is how we should feel about God. We should recognize, no, guess what? God is amazing. God is truly awesome. God, it says in the Word, is a consuming fire. The only reason that we are not consumed is because He chooses not to consume us. He chooses to bless us. He chooses to just hold us and keep us as we are. And this is a problem with our world today in Western culture is nobody has a fear of God. We no longer see God for who He actually is. We see Him as this little man with a beard holding a lamb. God is awesome in the truest sense of the word and the people of God need to catch that and understand how great, how amazing, how mighty He is so that we would be humbled before Him. And so it says, the reason I established these stones, the reason I delivered you is so that you would know 
who I am. You would have a revelation of my might, my power, my providence, but also my purpose. That the church would be humbled, that the people of God would be humbled before Him and that the world would look upon God with awe and see Him for who He is. And friends, I want you to catch something in all of this. And here's where this this lands. Because what you need to understand is that all of this is true. Joshua was a real human, a real person who lived in history. These events truly happened. But when you read Scripture, you need to understand that these things are also types of what is to come. See, God is doing something here. God is saying, yes, 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 this happened, but actually it's going to prophetically speak into the work that I am going to do in my son. Joshua, that name means Yahweh saves. Guess what the name Jesus means? Yahweh saves. Joshua is a messianic type. Everyone say messianic type. A little bit of Bible college for you. Joshua is a messianic type. When we see Joshua, we're supposed to recognize that he is a picture of the, of the Christ who is to come. He is a shadow. He is a foretaste. He is an imperfect reflection of who Jesus is. And the stones are the same. The, stones, the Jordan is the same. The waters are the same. The Jordan represents that barrier which could not be crossed. The Jordan represents that which is keeping us from the promise of God, the promise God gave to Abraham. The Jordan represents the sin and death and all the things in the world that are keeping us from God. And the promise is that Yeshua, Yahweh says, Jesus would come and step in in His providence, intervene in the affairs of human history, split the waters of sin and death so that the people of God could pass through the waters of sin and death into the fullness of God's promise. Amen. Amen. It's good to be back in church, hey? You're too casual. This is what it's saying. So he's saying, yes, I will come. I will split the waters. And you, you church will pass through the 12 stones, the 12 stones which represent the tribes of Israel. They also represent the church. The church becomes the living stones. First Peter, let's go there. Let's go to, this is so good, 1 Peter 2, talking about Jesus being the cornerstone. As you come to Him, Jesus, the living stone, the living symbol, the living pillar that you can hold on to, the living thing that you can come back to and know is secure and true to jolt you, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Friends, the church becomes the living stones. The church becomes as you are a living stone. You are a memorial unto the Lord. And the reason we get heaped together, the reason the people of God should gather on the other side of the Jordan, I'm getting excited. The reason when we have a revelation of what God has done in our life, in His power and His providence, is that we've been given a purpose. And so when we gather together, we have a purpose to show the world God's power and to stand in awe of all that He has done and all that He is. And friends, the greatest gift that God has given the church 
beyond himself, beyond his sacrifice, beyond his spirit to empower us, there is another great gift that God has given the church, and that is the church. Because when you're a living stone and you're standing on the side of the, your own personal Jordan River and you're like, I don't know where God is. I don't know where God is in my situation. I don't know if I can make it through. You look across and you see another living stone standing there, heaped up, saying, hey, God delivered me. God was, God, God's true for me. God came through for me. And you become a witness. You become a memorial so that this living stone who feels like they're drowning in the middle of the Jordan, look upon the memorial that is the church unto the Lord and realize that, no, God is for me and not against me. God is with me. There's such power in that. So when we say, we encourage people, the Bible says don't give up meeting together. It's not because it's a good thing to do. It's not because it's the right religious thing to do. All of that is nonsense and trash. No, the reason we gather is because in gathering, we are encouraged and inspired to be who God has called us to be. God is so good. He's so good. And when we look at the living stones, and I look at you. Just look around for one second. Just look at you. Go on, genuinely, take a moment, look around. Look at the living stones. The living stones piled together. Each of you have a different story. Each of you have a different Jordan River. Each of you have been delivered by the grace of God in faith, no matter where you're at, what you're going through, whether you feel like you're surrounded or whether you're piled together and you're feeling good, ready to be a testimony, be the living stones that God has created you to be by His grace, by His Spirit, by His power. This is who we are. Hallelujah. I'm excited to be back in church because I get to gather with my fellow stones. We're not the rolling stones, we're the stationary stones. A memorial unto the Lord. A memorial unto the Lord. That is, that is what we're called to be. That's what we've been made and I'm going to invite the band up and we're just going to finish with that beautiful reprise, oh praise the name, but here's my great encouragement to you, that you would know that only God splits the waters and that you would know that you have been taken from the middle of the Jordan and you have been made a living stone. There is nothing deader than a stone. Nothing deader than a stone. Nothing. What a great image to use that we're dead in our transgressions and sins, as it says in the book of Hebrew, uh, Ephesians and the book of Colossians. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, the living stone, the one who came and who didn't just pass through the waters, but suffered death in the waters. But those waters can't contain God. And he rose from the waters as the firstborn of the resurrected sons and daughters of God that all might know that they have life in him. Hallelujah. And why did he do it? To the praise of his name. Not so that people would look at this pile of living stones and be like, wow, that's an incredible pile of stones. I want to be a part. No, it's just a heap of stones. There's nothing glorious about us. There's nothing magical about us. There's nothing special about us. It's the one who delivered us. It's the one who did the work. And when we look upon them, it's the jolt. It's the list that the wife makes so you don't forget. 
When you come to church and you see the living stones, it's the trigger. It's this thing that God's given us to go, hey, don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember who I am and what I've done and what I am capable of. And that most of all, I called you and I delivered you and I brought you out to be a witness and an encouragement in the world that the world might know His power and that the church might stand in awe. So let's do that now. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. I feel like I could keep on going, but I'm not going to because it's already past time. Let's pray, hey. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are a great, awesome, mighty, powerful God. And God, we thank You that You've brought us back together. We thank You that You are the one who delivers Your people. We thank You that there's people right here, right now, and they are standing in their personal Jordan River and they feel like the waters are overflowing them. And God, I just pray right now that You would just show them right here by the power of Your Spirit as they look across the living stone, someone else who has a testimony who can declare, if the Lord had not been by my side, then the waters would have overwhelmed me, but they haven't. The Lord brought me through this trial and the Lord will bring you through your trial. God is good. God is with you. God is for you. No matter what wilderness you're wandering in, God is faithful. He will do it. He will bring it to completion. We just declare this right now over this church, Lord God. You are good for your glory, your name, none of ours. Lord, we just want to praise the name. We want our lives to bring you praise and we want you to be magnified and glorified above all things in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray as one voice. Amen. Let's sing. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.